Good morning. Um, a good illustration for hope this morning might be that you hoped it would be warm when you got here today. And it is for the first time um, since, like, the winter, the heat's working here. Aren't you guys glad about that? I was hoping for a little bit better reaction. All right. It doesn't really count when I kind of beg you for it, does it? Um, so uh, we're going to be kind of bouncing around a few different scriptures today. Um, but I just kind of want to, uh, I, I don't know if you're, I, I think that for me it's been a, the season, I feel like I'm being drugged into Christ, the Christmas season. Like it's too early or I'm not, like, I don't know. But it's just, you know, I don't want to put up decorations. I don't, it's try and listen to the like 102.5 now is Christmas music all the time. And it's like, eh, that's kind of dumb. Are you feel? Are you like that? Yeah. All right. Christmas is just dumb. Well, we can talk later, but I don't believe that. Um, but uh, I, I want to direct. So less about Christmas and more about um, the hope that we have in Jesus is, is the the heart of today. Um, so the four banners that are up here uh, every December, hope, joy, peace, love, um, to just remind us of that. And then uh, throughout the building, there's the sign about, of, of hope. This morning, we're talking about the four Advent themes. This morning, we're talking about hope. Um, but this year, we're going to add a little bit of a piece to it. So we just sang Silent Night. I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the, the hope that's in the song Silent Night because um, one of the... One of the purposes of music being sung in a church is to bring theology, bring understanding to the people in a melodic way that can be remembered. Um, and so I want to teach us as we kind of walk through the season and as we think about Christmas music and, and traditional Christmas hymns and Christmas carols to find the depth of the truth that's being explained there. So this morning, we're going to pick a few pieces out of um, the, uh, the song Silent Night as we kind of walk through this. Um, so as Joe read earlier, in the Old Testament times, God spoke to his people through prophets, and no prophet had spoken to God's people for 400 years when Jesus was born. Remember, think about 400 years like, what was 400 years ago for us? It's a long time ago. Think about all that's happened in the last 400 years. Um, so God had traditionally spoke to his people through prophets, and now for 400 years, all these generations, eight, seven, eight, nine generations of, of families had, had not heard a word from God. Um, and that's... That's incredible to me to, to think about that. God is silent and distant to these people. And, and not just that, but they're being oppressed by Rome. They're refugees from their home. Uh, refugee is a, is a hot word today, right? Um, God's people were refugees, and they're being oppressed by uh, a, a brutal dictator government, government called Rome. Um, and there was not much in their lives to be hopeful about um, but Jesus broke into that 
God broke into that with bringing us Christ, and no longer was he silent. Um, about a month ago, I went to, uh, Cooper and I went to Indianapolis to watch a, a Celtics and Pacers game, and uh, we, were, we were excited about it, thought about it, hoped for it, we're looking forward to it for a really long time, and it was finally here. We're, we're walking into, they play in a place called Banker's Life Pavilion, so we're walking into to Banker's Life. And uh, when you first walk in, there's metal detectors. And so you, you take like your keys and your phone and stuff out and you put it into this little bin and then you walk to the metal detector and they give you to you. You guys have all done that, right? So um, this, this right here was, is the key fob. It's one of those fancy key fobs where you don't put it in, you just push a button as long as this is in the car, right? So I was wearing jeans and so I didn't want to have all my keys in my pocket. So I slipped this into my pocket, all right? So I walk in to the, uh, to the, through the metal detector, put my phone and this key in the basket. Um, what I didn't realize after I walked through is that as I picked up my key and my basket, or and my phone out of the basket, I was so excited that what we'd been looking forward to for so long was here. We're about to walk into the stadium and, and watch this with Cooper, and it's going to be so great. And I didn't realize that I dropped this, and it was missing. The cool part is I didn't know that I dropped it. So I spent that two and a half hours not realizing that I'd lost it. Um, so that's a cool part of the story is that if I had realized that I lost it, I probably wouldn't have watched the game until I had secured this key fob, right? Um, so after the game, it's over. We kind of hang around and say, you know, try and find the, you know, get a chance to, because Jason Tatum, the guy from St. Louis, one of Cooper's favorite players, plays for the Celtics, and we're trying to see if we can engage with him some way. Um, so we can't, and we start walking in the car and trying to figure out what we're going to do. We're going to go watch um, uh, Alabama was playing LSU that night, so we're like, we can go watch the fourth quarter of that football game somewhere at a, at a sports bar, get something to eat. And we get to the car, and usually, like, this thing, I think, is in my pocket. And so you can just push the button on the door, and it opens. And I push the button, nothing happens. Push the button, nothing happens. And then I'm like, and I realize, Cooper, the key, I don't have the key. What am I going to do? Um, so at that moment, I begin to bounce back and forth between panic and worry and praying. So I'm like, how are, what, like, I'm going to have to get a hotel right here. I'm going to have to Uber to our hotel. We don't even have a hotel tonight. What, are we gonna, what am I going to do? How am I going, how am I going to do this? Um, I'm going to have to, like, Cooper and I, f like, fly home, and then I'll fly back with another key, or, um, or I'll have Jen come up and, and bring a key, or, like, I'm, I'm worrying how we're going to do this. And it's, it's basically, like, going to, from my perspective, it's going to, like, ruin the trip. It's been so much fun. And then I'm like... God, just, I don't know where this key is, but could you just supernaturally put that key under where I was sitting? I, 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 like, I literally verbally prayed that. Um, so we go back in. I, I like, talk to the, uh, to the usher that's like, because you're not supposed to get back in. The game's over. It's been over for like 45 minutes. Um, you're not supposed to be able to get back in. I'm like, I left my keys in there. Kid, would you please let me back in to go look? And sure. And we had heard this thud happen, like it was a really exciting game. We had heard this thud happen, and I, I thought that we thought it was like our phones. One of our phones dropped out of our pocket, but it wasn't. 
because we both had our phones in our pockets. So then I decided that thud that I heard was the key fob dropping out, which is dumb, right? Because these aren't going to make the same sound. Um, so uh, I'm convinced it's under, under the chair. And the whole way, I'm bouncing back and forth between worry and prayer, worry and prayer, worry and prayer. And I get, we get there, and it's not there. So then I decide, okay, let's go to the concession stand. Let's retrace our steps, because we came in, looked around for a minute, then went and got something to eat, and then went to our seats. Uh, let's retrace all those steps, looking around. And as I'm walking out, the, one of the ushers that's still in there says, what are, you, are you looking for something? Did you lose something? Yeah, I lost the, my keys. And he said, well, your best bet is there's a lost and found, and you go through this door and, and down the hallway and around the corner, and there's a lady at the front desk that's there. Um, go, go ask her. I went and I, I asked her, and I walk up to her, and, and she's probably like by that back wall, and she like locks eyes with me, makes eye contact with me, right? And like she just starts to smile. I'm like, that's strange. And I get up there, and, and she says to me, you're looking for a Nissan key, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. And she gets on a little radio and says, Steve or whoever calls for some some guy I got the guys that's looking for the Nissan key can you bring it up here and she brings it up here and and he brings it up here and gives it to me and I have the key the point is or well she she looked she looked at me and she said we've been waiting for you (laughs) and that's funny and silly but it's hope like I could have stressed throughout the whole game and missed the game, missed this two hours with my son that we've been looking forward to for months, or I could, and, and spent it worrying and praying and worrying and praying and all that for that time, but I, I didn't because I didn't know I had a problem. And then the time that I did have a problem, all I did was bounce before, between worry and prayer and how am I going to, how am I going to fix this problem? How am I going to fix this problem? And then I walk, and, and there she is, and she says, we've been waiting for you. This is, this is hope. No matter what's going on in your world, hope is waiting for you. And the, it's, it's so incredible, because I didn't even really have a problem. I just didn't know where to go. The key was never even lost. I lost it, but it was in good hands the whole time. Isn't that, this is hope. Um, I want to ask you a couple of rhetorical questions that I want you to really consider and think about. First, what worries and stresses you today? What is your, I lost my key? What worries and stresses you today? Second question, where do you seem to feel shame or feel inadequate? Because I think hope is speaking to you there. Because ultimately, that's what the hope is about. What worries or stresses you today? What do you, where do you seem to feel hope or feel shame or inadequate? Hope is coming for you. Hope is coming for you.
I want to transition just for a second and talk about a couple of the, about Silent Night. We're going to sing it again during response time. Um, it's a great song, incredible lyrics. Lyrics are memorable and sometimes they're too memorable because we just recite them without a lot of thought and um, consideration. Um, silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosting, alleluia. Christ the Savior is born, Christ the Savior is born. That phrase, Christ the Savior is born, is nothing but hope. It's rich with hope. Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Christ is the office of Jesus. He's Messiah. He's the final answer. The culmination of centuries of hope is Jesus. And he's born. Hope is born. What are you stressed about? What are you worried about? What makes you feel shame? What makes you feel inadequate? Hope is born for those things. Hope is born. The third verse from Silent Night. Silent Night, Holy Night, Son of God loves pure light. This is one of the most beautiful lines that I think has been written. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Dawn is a beautiful illustration of hope because hope is the sunrise breaking the cold and breaking the darkness. And here, the artistry of these words is that it's radiant beams, sunbeams coming from his face to break the dawn. And with the breaking of dawn comes this redeeming grace. And the redeeming grace, the radiant beams are that Jesus is Lord at his birth. Oppression, silence, fear, worry, and shame are replaced by the hope of Jesus like a sunrise. As we sing those words again in a little bit, I want you to maybe even let Kelly sing them over you. Or maybe they, maybe sing them. Whatever. Just engage with the beauty of the hope that God has given to us. But what does the scripture say about hope? The essence of hope, Romans 4.21. This is, he's talking about Abraham. Paul writing about Abraham and what Abraham was thinking in the midst. So Abraham was promised to be the, the father of a great nation, and he didn't have any kids, and he was very old, um, but he didn't lose hope. The definition, the essence of hope, Paul says, is fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's the essence of hope, to be fully convinced that God is able to do what he promises. Endurance is easy when you know what awaits you. When you're fully convinced that God is able to do what he promised, endurance is easy. And this is the essence of hope. Excitement, expectation, trusting that something is coming, good. Um, Christmas time is a great way for that. Because they're, like Christmas is about expectation. Like, not the, the Jesus Christmas, but the family Christmas or the kids getting presents Christmas or watching your kids open the presents Christmas. That's, that's excitement. That's like I'm looking forward to this. And, and there's, an, there's, a, there's a, a glimmer of hope in the midst of that. Like what am I 
really, really looking forward to. Um, as, a, as a kid, Christmas is hope kind of like this. There it is. The holy grail of Christmas gifts. The Red Ryder 200-shot range model air rifle. Look at, look at Ralphie's face, everybody. Look at it. He's so hopeful. Like, he really wants this. He's so hopeful to get it. This is the, like, it, it's silly, and it's commercialism, and it's, like, it's anti-gospel. But it, it, it paints this picture of what hope is. Like, what if we lived our lives with this face, excited for what God's going to do in the midst of our awful situation or in the midst of our great situation or what we're looking forward to what if we lived our lives with that face even in hard times even when people fail us because our hope is in something bigger than a range model air rifle um the substance that's the essence of hope what's the substance of hope romans 5 5 uh, another definition that Paul writes about hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This be verse begins to get at the substance of hope. Um, hope in Jesus. Hope in the love of Jesus. Hope in Jesus as Savior. If Jesus isn't who he said he is, and if Jesus doesn't love us like he says he loves us, and, and Jesus didn't do what he said he did, then there's no, no, there's, there's no foundation for our hope. Right? It's worthless. Hope is only as good as its source, as the substance. You know, does that make sense? Um, so... Hope is only as good as the substance of the hope, and we like to place our hope in things that can't support the weight of our hope. For example, I can hope that wrapping paper can hold the weight of Dwight Schrute, but it just can't. What is this? Happy holidays, Dwight. But do not open it till Christmas. You're so pathetic. How long did this take you? Three hours? Five minutes, actually. I am a black belt in gift wrapping. Yeah, no such thing. They don't give out black belts for things that are stupid. <laughs> well, I hope it was worth it, because I'm going to take it apart in about five minutes. I think I'll take you a little bit longer than that. Really? If I can skin a mule deer in less than ten minutes, I ought to be able to cut my... Hope is only as good as the source of its hope. Do you see that? We run around. It's, it's silly. It's fun. It's, it's a great story. And they don't give black belts for things that are stupid. But it's, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a great picture of hope. It's a beautiful picture of hope. It's a beautiful picture of our stupidity in hope. Like, where, where is your hope placed? Is it going to withstand the weight of your hope.
Luke 2.11, the source of hope. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Christ, Lord. Those are three huge words, and they're all said about Jesus here. These are words full of hope. For thousands of years, many generations, God had been promising to protect and provide for his people. Hundreds of years, not just the 400 years where they've been silent, for, for thousands of years, since the, the beginning of, since Adam and Eve were created, God had been promising to protect and provide and bring something to be the final protection and the final provision. Christ the Lord. This is what he had been promising. Um, through people like David, uh, a murdering adulterer, God had been pointing towards a hero, a savior. Through Moses, a hot-tempered murderer with a speech impediment. Through Ruth, a lonely widow with no family or home, he's pointing to Jesus. Through Rahab, a prostitute whose society said she has no value. God used all of those things to point to the hope that is to come. But all of those things would fail with the weight of our hope. They're pointing to Christ Jesus, the Lord. These are all unlikely heroes. Now God's people are in despair and oppressed by their enemies. It's dark. Refugees far from home. This news greets them like a sunrise. Protection, provision, fulfillment of a promise. Um, I was talking to a friend this week who had just recently finished up his doctorate a few months ago. And uh, the plan was for him to finish up his doctorate and then uh, move to Seattle or Colorado, that area somewhere, and him begin to teach, uh, using his doctorate to, to teach at a university. And some stuff happened. Um, uh, don't really know all the details. Don't share all the details. But some, some stuff had happened, and they were uh, forced to kind of scrap those plans and go instead to spend, to be close to his wife's family. So um, he knows that this is, the direction to lay down his life for his family is to go and, and kind of lay down these dreams to, to teach at a university and instead um, go and, and be near his wife's family. He knows that's where God is calling him to do because to lay down his life for his family is, is, is at the core there. And as I was talking to him last week, I could hear him saying those things because those are the things that you're supposed to say. But, like, you ever been talking with somebody and they're saying one thing, but you know that, like, there's a, there's a deeper truth that's present in the heart and in the soul? I was sensing that with him. Um, uh, so he's, he's trusting that this is the right thing to do. Um, but he's defeated because everything that he's he's worked towards, like from the time he was a high school student, he's wanted to get to the place where he is right now. He's fully educated. He's, he's got a path. He's got a good resume. Everything looks really good. Everything is great. But then something happened, and he can't do what he, what he feels like he's called to do because life happened. And the point is, is that, like, I, I, this isn't some 
wrap it up on a bow, and now he's happy and God has blessed his obedience and brought him some great job, and everything is wonderful. Life is great. No, he's still, he doesn't, he doesn't get to teach very much. He's a stay-at-home dad and living in a city where he doesn't really know anybody. Um, and it's hard. It's not easy. But, like, his teaching job doesn't provide us hope. And, and the thing is, like, as, as he's saying this to me, and, and I'm not, like, I'm not trying to pastor him in these moments. I'm not trying to teach him Bible here. I'm just listening to a friend talk. And he's, like, he's trying to convince himself of the reality here. And, and it, that struggle is, is where the beauty lies. Because, I, like, hope is only as good as its essence, and it can only, only as good as, like, it can withstand our weight, the, our weight of our things. Jesus is the only thing that can withstand the weight of our hope. And we, like, that point has been made, and we kind of get that. But I think that sometimes we can place our dreams and our, and our hopes, like I hope this happens, and, and place our weight there. And when they don't happen, we get frustrated or angry. Um, and there's not some, I think, I'm, I'm wrestling to try to land this plane here. Uh, but I just, I don't think that we need to have things perfectly wrapped up for us. Because that's, a, that's getting at the essence of hope. Because if things were perfectly wrapped up for us, then we could hope in ourselves. Right? But the only hope that we have is Christ. And when stuff doesn't go the way that we want it to, or doesn't go the way that we hope it does, or expect it to, and God is teaching in those times and in those moments. Hope is not always easy, but Hebrews reminds us that hope is an anchor for our souls. When things are hard, hope prevails. It's steadfast, it's faithful, it supports. I want to say three last things over you that I've said already this morning that I leave in your brains that is the foundation of hope. God does what he's promised to do. God does not put us to shame. God has given us a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. God, um, thank you for the gift of hope. Lord, I pray that you would use this season and all that's around it, even the commercialism that's around it, Father. I pray that you would use it to uh, implant hope into our lives. Father, I pray for the things that stress us and worry us for our, quote, lost keys, 
Father, that you would give us a hope that you've got it under control and you are taking care of us. And you're bigger, you're better. And God, would we just be faithful to do what's in front of us? God, I thank you for all the examples of hope that are around us, the, the human examples of hope, of faithfulness and endurance. Those things are product of, of genuine hope. God, hope is such an incredible gift. Lord, I pray that you would give it to us in plenty. God, because things are dark and cold and hard, we need hope. We cling to hope, God. God, thank you for the stories of hope that are present in this room, God. Lord, I pray you'd bring minds to reflect and, and remember places where you've been faithful in our lives and that you would begin to, to build hope in those areas. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he's there waiting for us with a great big smile on his face. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.